Good morning. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, the Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Diane B. I am a recovered compulsive eater from New York, living in the steps one day at a time. Today is Tuesday. Nope, today is Thursday. Sorry. Today's Thursday, March 2nd, 2023. This is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we're reading from the big book. We are on page 64, the third paragraph, beginning with resentment is the number one offender. Reading that entire paragraph ending with we were burned up um the reference number oh today's readers the readers are 12 steps ginger c 12 traditions gen p reading our text is pam sr reading our book is meant to be suggestive only on page 164 is barb w and our backup reader is nancy p our newcomer greeter is J- Diane, you're muted. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. I just did that whole thing for nothing. All right. Let's start again. Good morning and welcome to... We lost you right after the newcomer. You were going to tell us the newcomer greeter. Oh, great. Thank you. I don't have to do the whole thing. So our newcomer greeter is Jeannie B. And our second hour host is Matt J.F. Reference numbers... For yesterday, Wednesday, March 1st, 2023, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 20,006. That's 20006. And yesterday, March 1st, excuse me, at 10 a.m. Eastern Time is 20,007. That's 20007. 007. Okay. Uh, OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. And Ginger C., would you please read us the steps? The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 
10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Ginger. Jen P., will you please read us the traditions? Yes, thank you. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all of these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks, Jeannie. Okay, let's see. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, that you keep your share approximately to three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And we also um, request that even though we um, value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So if you haven't shared since Monday, we want to hear from you. Uh, Today we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 64, the third paragraph, beginning with resentment is the number one offender, reading through to where it says we were burned up, that one paragraph only. And will Pam S.R., would you please get us started? 
Yes, good morning. This is Pam S.R., Compulsive Overeater, Recovered Living in Austin, Texas. Resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From it stem all forms of spiritual disease. So we have been not only mentally and physically ill, we have been spiritually sick. When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. In dealing with resentments, we set them on paper. We listed people, institutions, or principles with whom we were angry. We ask ourselves why we were angry. In most cases, it was found that our self-esteem, our pocketbooks, our ambitions, our personal relationships, including sex, were hurt or threatened. So we were sore. We were burned up. Well, I was definitely burned up. You know, of all the steps, this is the one that I dreaded the most. And ironically, step four was the key to me living an emotionally sober life. Because what I didn't realize was that my inventory was teaching me a skill set. A skill set to seeing the patterns in my life where I was just making myself miserable. Because resentment is a destroyer. The resentments and the ruminating, it was the death of me living a full life. It was the the death of hope, and it was definitely the death of anything that resembled serenity. So my inventory had just felt overwhelming, and I had this um, delusional thinking that the more perfectly I did this step, well, then the more perfect my recovery was going to be. And that was absolutely not true. You know, I obsessed and ruminated about doing the inventory for weeks. And in reality, when I, it only took a handful of hours for me to actually put my pen to paper because I already knew who was taking up space inside of my head. I knew who had hurt me. I knew the things I was burned up about and all the things that I was ruminating over. You know, the conversations I was revisiting in my head and I kept replaying, if only things had turned out differently. Because resentment is actually a spiritual problem that only a spiritual solution can solve. And what the great news is, is that that's what this book, that's what these steps are all about, is I cannot solve this spiritual problem. And in this step, up until now, everything else has been a decision. In this step, I can actually take action. And beginning with step four, I pick up my pen, I put it to paper, instead of picking up the food and putting it in my mouth. And I can begin to connect whether I feel like it or not, whether I want to or not, I just do it. And whether I'm aware of it or not, I begin connecting to a power that is greater than myself that can solve this problem of where I'm destroying my life. It's a spiritual malady that I'll never be able to think my way out of. And because it's a spiritual malady, it needs a spiritual solution. And it's a skill that I learned and I use not only every day, I 
in all honesty, I use it multiple times a day. And it has definitely been a key to freedom. Thank you for letting me share, and I'll pass. Thank you for getting us started, Pam. Um, Let's see. So now I'll be able to take people's names. If you want to share, give me your first name, the initial of your last name, and where you're from, please. Tina S. Katie S. Well, slow down. I got Tina S. and I got Tina and Katie. Rivka R. Rivka. I think I heard Reva. Tina, Kat, Katie, Rivka, Reva. Matt, 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 I'm sorry, who was that? Ingrid F. Ingrid. Okay, that's a great lineup. I have Tina S., Katie F., Rivka, Reva, P., I believe, Matt, J. F., and Ingrid. All right, Tina. Get us going, please. Thanks so much, Diane, for your service. Tina S. Recovered Compulsive Eater, anorexic in Florida. Wow, what a great lead uh, share. Uh, you know, when I read this paragraph, I thought, oh, God, I'll never be able to do this. But what I was taught was this small paragraph is the first three columns of the fourth step. You know, something that I thought was this big monster. You know, and, it, and actually the lead just shared on everything in here. It was just fabulous. And so ditto, ditto, ditto. But, you know, I came in here and I didn't want this to be a spiritual disease for sure. You know, I wanted to straighten out mentally and physically first and then maybe check in on that spiritual stuff. But, you know, what I was told that the only solution for a spiritual sickness is a spiritual solution, you know. And and it's interesting because when I listed these people's institutions and all this stuff and why I was angry because for so many years, you know, I ate against that anger and resentment. So I didn't even think think I was angry, didn't even know, you know, and so when you take away that food and you really look at this stuff, you know, it says, um, you know, a fact finding, you know, um, inventory that we're doing, you know, the truth about the, the, uh, ourselves. What do I know? When I look at this stuff truthfully, I was resentful. And it was going to kill me, they told me. You know, it was going to kill me. You know, so, you know, the first time I came, I, you know, I went back out on a four-step. You know, so when I came back in, I was like, you know, let me just do this and see what happens. Let me just go through the rest of the 12 steps and see what happens. And, you know, and I was amazed before I was halfway through, for sure, for sure. But I had to do the work like it was talked about. Pen to paper. I had to do this stuff. I had to put it on paper you know I had to look at it I had to share it with uh, God and and another person and to really look at where I needed to change where I needed to change because these are the first three uh, columns but the fourth column is really where the work is done where I look at me and not at you you know because if I don't change me there's no way I can look at you you know Um, great stuff and (coughs) you know and my resentments affected everything in my life you know so when I really looked at this stuff and got got real and uh, was willing to do something different, to not do the same things, to be somebody different is when my life had changed. And I was able to be free to go on with the rest of the steps, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, and 12, and have a spiritual awakening so that I was a different person, so that I could live free one day at a time and no longer had to be in the food, the booze, the drugs, the sex, whatever it was that took me away, took me out of life. Uh, great paragraph. Really looking forward to the rest of the shares, but that'll pass. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tina. Next, we have Katie F., who will be followed by Rivka. Katie F., 
Hi, this is Katie Upper Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And this whole paragraph, you know, I could write, I could talk about. Um, uh, it says when the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. But that doesn't mean that um, I'm going to not be affected by resentment. And I thought that I ate because other people, because of other people's behavior. I thought, well, if you had, you know, my mother, my father, my siblings, my boss, my children, whatever it was, then you would eat too. And I thought that I had to straighten them all out. And that once I straightened other people out, then I would stop having to eat. Once I got everything in order and my world was not so chaotic, then, um, then I wouldn't have to eat. And I found that, you know, I put the food down and everyone else didn't straighten out, straighten up. You know, they didn't have to straighten up for me. And the problem is me, that I am being affected, you know, by these different things that, you know, when um, that my, it's always my self-esteem, my pocketbook, my ambitions or my personal relationships that are hurt. And if I do not work through that resentment and get the fingers pointed back at me and look and see what I can do about it, what I, how I need to change, then I will pick up the food again, because that is who I am. I'm a compulsive overeater and I cannot afford to live in resentment. It is the dubious luxury of normal people that they can walk around resentful and not have to compulsively overeat. But that's just not the case for me. And so I'm so grateful because it is 100% that it's something inside of me that being, is being burned up. It's not, um, I mean, other people do things wrong. I'm not saying that nothing bad is ever done to me and that other people are right and I'm always wrong. But my reaction, my um, <clears throat> response to the world around me is the only thing I have any power over through the grace of God. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Rivka, you're up. And if you could give us the initial of your last name and your state or where you're from, please. Yeah. Hi. Um, it's Rivka R., um, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater in Baltimore. Um, resentment is the number one offender. I, it's so funny that, because I really used to think it was my number one character asset. <laughs> Like, no way was anyone going to step on my toes. I remember when I was I was 12 years old, and I went to a sleepaway camp in the summer. And one night, some girls came into the cabin, and they were all excited, and they were they just in some kind of performance, and they were making a lot of noise. And I was trying to sleep, and I asked them to quiet down, and, and they refused. So I wrote a note to myself to remember to hate them in the morning. I mean, literally, I wrote... Remember to hate so-and-so in the morning, and I posted it next to my bed, which was on a top bunk. I mean, who does that? Who reminds himself to hate in case they might forget? Um, very spiritually sick person, that's who. But the problem was that um, the next morning the whole bunk got up before I did, and they all saw the note, and I didn't hear the end of that one. I couldn't see that that people... It didn't mean to hurt my feelings. or I couldn't see what they were going through. I could only see myself when I was hurt. My poor husband, I would, I would shut down for days and not even be able to look at him, and he would have no clue what was going on. It was just an insane and brutal way to live. Definitely a dysfunctional design for living. 
it took a long time for me to internalize the depth of my spiritual malady and really get that when I'm resentful, there is something seriously wrong with me. Today, if anything crops up, I know there's a way out. I Sometimes I have to do a, a first step and just am powerless over this resentment and my life is unmanageable. My life is never unmanageable because of circumstances or someone else. Life is always unmanageable because of my resentment. Because resentment is self-centered. And no way can I be happy, joyous, and free stuck in myself. But thank God with food and myself out of the way, by the grace of God, I'm working the steps. I'm restored to sanity one day at a time. Ah, And that is an, an incredible miracle. So thank you, everybody. Thank you for your service. Thank you for being there. And uh, that'll pass. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Thanks, Rivka. Next, we have Reva P. followed by Matt J.F. If you could please give us where you're from, that would be wonderful. Good morning. This is Reva P., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, I didn't know how resentful I was um, until the food was down and I started working this step. And I didn't think there was anything wrong with how um, I thought until I got feedback in step five. Um, So it was a big revelation um, when my sponsor started flipping things around and showing me, um, you know, my mistakes and all of this. Um, But what's striking me today is the word offender you know, to commit a crime, um, like almost disobey the law. Um, and I'm disobeying the laws, the spiritual laws, when I'm stuck on resentment. Um, and I love this business of when I straighten out spiritually, then I straighten out mentally and physically. And I had it backwards. I mean, before program, I kept trying to fix the food and straighten my body out physically. Um, and it was backwards and it obviously didn't work. Um, and I got spiritually more and more sick. And whenever it's an issue of, you know, gaining weight, losing weight, if I focus on the physical too much, like there is a place for that. There is a place for cleaning up, um, and, and watching my physical, um, abstinence. But with most things these days, um, if I focus too much on the physical or I do a mental affirmation band-aid, um, I get nowhere um, because I have to get to the root, the root of the problem, which is the spiritual problem. Um, and I love how it says, you know, we asked ourselves why we were angry. Well, if you would have asked me that question before program, I would have given you the reasons why I was angry and what everybody did that was wrong and how life wasn't going my way, which was obviously wrong and how God didn't know what he was doing. Um, but it, this is not about why I was angry in terms of, you know, those little causes. It's looking at, again, the roots. Where are my self, you know, my instincts, my selfishness? Because the whole point of this is that I need to get unblocked because I'm powerless and I need power. And I'm not going to get that power until the block is removed um, and resentment will block me. So just like I can't take in certain substances, ingredients, foods, I can't. I can't hold on to resentments because it will take me back to the food. Um, And just a great reminder to focus on this, wherever there's a problem, focus on the spiritual. And how do I do that? I work the steps. Um, And with that, I pass. 
Thank you, Reva P. Next, we have Matt J.F., followed by Ingrid. Good morning. Thank you for taking the meeting this morning. This is Matt J.F. I am recovered living in Kentucky. And um, I have a sponsee who's doing step four right now. We were just talking last night about assembling the list. And it's something I always struggle with. Because I like to walk through my days thinking, you know, I'm good. You know, I, I've, I've surrendered all the things to my higher power. I'm, I'm, I'm in a good place. And I think generally speaking, that's true. But there are a couple of questions that help me discern when I'm kidding myself or what I'm missing. And um, one of them is always thinking about who owes me an apology? You know, that doesn't feel like a resentment to me, but it's like, if I feel like someone owes me an apology, then clearly I think they done me wrong. There's also the question of, uh, who do I really not want to run into? Because there's almost certainly something going on there. But the flip side of that is, who would I really love to run into? And I don't mean because we'd like to see each other. Like, who who would I love to be lying in wait in a sniper pose, but with a super soaker and like see them come down the street? Who would be like my favorite person to be able to soak out of nowhere? And those questions really help me kind of think through where are the things I haven't let go of yet? The other thing that I I is usually true for me, it's been a little less true every time I've done it, is that um, is making the list is is if the first time I did it, I was so worried that like, have I gotten everything? And have I put them on the list properly? And it wasn't until I actually started working my resentments that I realized that, um, A, it doesn't need to be perfect, because it's not like I'm going to do this and be done. B, in the process of working the resentments, I learned which resentments I thought were separate, but they're actually the same thing. You know, I had I had members of one political party from two different houses of Congress on the list separately. And I thought at the beginning there were good and valid reasons why. And then I got some, I was like, this is dumb. There's no reason why they need to be on separately. It's just all of that group. And there were other people who I thought, well, I'll put this person on the list. I'm resentful about them. And then they wound up on my list like three or four times because there were different things that I was resentful about. And, um, yeah, it was just really helpful to me to uh, to have someone guide me through. And, and it was helpful to me to guide someone else. So with that, I will pass. Thank you, Matt. J.F. Uh, Ingrid, can you please give us the initial of your last name and where you're from? And then share. I sure can, moderator. My first name is Sigrid with an S, and the last name starts with S like Frank. I'm in South Florida. So, yeah, this paragraph really hit home for me. The first time I read it, I really don't think I understood it. All that talk about spiritual malady was like, what are you talking about? And what I've come to think of it like is it's it's me, it's my 
very often my broken thinking that is driving me to be resentful or fearful or selfish or any of these things. But it, in step four was the very first time I got to see some of that. Up until then, and in the food, I was living highs and lows all the time. Well, that just drove me back to the food because I don't like emotions, right? I don't want to feel those emotions. I don't like those highs and lows. Well, that was my disease giving me all the more reason to eat. So these thoughts, these thoughts were driving that. So today, there's still I, food's down, and you feel them, but it evens out when you start to realize it's the way I'm thinking that's driving. It's it's the way that my feelings are being driven by my thoughts, and my thoughts are all about how life should be in my utopian world which is really not logical at all. It doesn't make any sense at all. But until I could start to see that, you know, somebody leaving at work was their choice and a good thing for them and not just, you know, a, a lash out at me, I couldn't start to think differently about it. I couldn't start to think about it positively and ask God for help through the feelings. It was just no way. So step four, open that door to, okay, what is it that is driving me to feel this way or think that way? So I hope that's helpful and wishing everyone a blessed day. Thanks, I pass. Thank you, Sigrid. Sorry I messed up your name. Um, let's see. So Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. And I can now take names for the next group of of, uh, speakers. Nancy P. I got Nancy P. Who was after you, Nancy? Chris G. Chris G. Claire E. from the UK. I'm sorry, who was this? Claire E from the UK. Claire E. Can you spell it, please? C-L-A-R-E. Claire E from the UK. Got it. Sorry, I messed you up. (laughs) You're welcome. I have Nancy, Chris, and Claire. I got room for some more people. All right, let's go with that. Nancy P., star one to unmute, please, and tell us where you're from. Hi. <laughs> Excuse me. Hi, good morning. Nancy P., recovered. Am I good to go? That's, someone's unmuted. I don't know. Yes, Nancy, anyway, go ahead. Sorry, this is Nancy P., recovered in Western Massachusetts. So just putting the food down doesn't work. And I know this because I would put the food down and I'd lose some weight and I would feel betrayed. And I would actually, actually ask myself, say the words. Why am I still so angry? Why am I still so angry? You know, when, when is that going to, you know, go away? And, you know, it, it just reminds me when my son was tiny, I took him to the doctor once and, and I said, is he sick? And the doctor says she didn't know what was the problem was. And my response was, what do you mean? I paid my copay, fixed my kid. I knew my doctor well enough to say that. And um, 
that's how I felt about abstinence. It didn't work, and my attitude was, what do you mean? I'm not eating compulsively. Fix my brain. And if I ever told anyone, I'd get the same useless answer, you know, just turn it over, ask God for help, which also never worked for me because I'm, I was a closeted agnostic who couldn't even admit it to myself. And the final problem was that I made abstinence itself a false god. If I could only be thin, that would be more than enough. If I could only stay thin, I'd live with the rage. And that just created this churn in my brain, and it was impossible to achieve or maintain anything. And the only thing that I could do to ease the pressure was to pick up again, which I spent decades doing. Um, you know, the resentment, I was a resentment factory, like an, an assembly line, and I couldn't imagine writing anything down because I thought I'd never stop writing. In fact, I actually went through the big book step study process once before, and I spent one hour a night, six nights a week for three years writing my fourth step. And it was 550 pages long, and it didn't work. And I ate for 13 more years. And I was always just so angry. And the best I could ever get was, you know, mildly aggravated and unable to do anything. I could keep my mouth shut. That was the, my success. And if I looked at my self-esteem, my pocketbook, my ambitions or personal relationships and addressed those things, I would still be aggravated. So the first big book step study meeting I ever went to, the guy who spoke talked about his recovery. And the last thing he said was that he didn't resent anyone at meetings. And right there I said, sign me up. You know, if that, if I could just get even that, I would be happy. And, um, but you know, saying it and being there were two totally different things. And resentment was even more my master than food was. But today my feelings of resentment or any other feelings don't own me, good or bad. I, don't, I spend a lot of time working to stay spiritually awake to establish and maintain my spiritual wakefulness. So I'm immediately able to, to detect the first little tickle of mental disquiet that means a resentment and my feelings no longer dictate what I say and do. And all I have to do is one thing, say it with me, surrender, surrender, surrender. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy. Next, we have Chris G. If you could give us where you're from, please. Sure. Thank you. Thank you for letting me share. Um, my name is Chris, K-R-I-S-G. I live in Tennessee. And um, uh, I wanted to look at this sentence. Uh, 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 we asked ourselves why we're, we're angry. And, and before, if you asked me while I was angry, it would say, I would say, because so-and-so made me angry. That's why I'm angry, because they made me angry. So I couldn't do a four-step. Um, I, heard, I heard things before the four-step that were totally useless, like fully rely on God. No, I wasn't relying on God. I was going to figure this out, and I was going to figure out how to do it. And um, what did I do with anger before? Well, what I did with anger was I would eat, and uh, also uh, I swept it under the rug. It never went away. It just piled up under the rug where I wasn't looking at it. And uh, so in, in the fourth step, I had a hard time making the list, uh, and, and, um, and, and I had the attitude that, that I was right and therefore you were wrong, black and white thinking. And so um, what I had to change was, uh, of course, that, that I could possibly uh, make people mad at me, uh, that I could do things that weren't uh, helpful or were wrong or were dishonest, that denial itself was dishonesty. And um, 
and 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 I had to ask God to help me to see to open my eyes and um and so uh things did change and and I and I find that there's more than one right way and I'm not right about everything and my opinions aren't the law and um yeah other people have a right to their feelings and their lives and I'm not in charge and with that I pass thank you thanks chris next we have claire e from the uk and sorry i messed up your name no, you're good. Thank you so much for hearing me. My name's Claire E. I'm a recovered compulsive eater in Cornwall in the UK. There's so much in this paragraph. Um, so I think the first thing, you know, that I've got written down in my book is that it's not food that's going to destroy more alcoholics than anything else or compulsive eaters, but it's resentment. Um, and it's certainly been my experience with relapses that the resentments, you know, stack up um, and the food then becomes the medicine for the spiritual malady you know, which I understand to be sort of irritable, restless discontent. That's what I'm trying to overcome. Um, and, um, you know, it, it, it formates them all forms of spiritual disease. It's like, a, it's like a cancer. You know, when I'm resentful, it eeks into all areas of my life. It becomes obsessive. I can't let it go. I'm like a dog with a bone when I've got a resentment going on. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I did, so it's uncomfortable, it's painful, particularly in the program, because I know that's not how I want to live. So, you know, it becomes something that needs to be medicated. And, um, you know, I can either medicate it with food or I can medicate it with, with you know, with the steps and with my higher power. Um, and like for being shared, you know, this is where we get, we get, you know, the pedal hits metal. We, we, we get a pen, we get a piece of paper now and we're writing out a list, you know, we're writing out people groups of people, institutions, principles with whom I'm angry. And I've been taught as well, and I love this, and I'll pass it on for what it's worth, you know, not just angry, it's here, it says lots of other words too. It says hurt, threatened, sore, and burned up. Um, in the next paragraph, it says interfered with, and the page over, it says remorse. So there's all sorts of little lesser forms of resentment, um, which I can minimise. Oh, it's okay, it's just this. But actually, all of that lot stacks up too. I have to be really honest about what bothers me. You know, sometimes what bothers me is really pathetic. It's not massive, great big things. It's the little bickle bits. And I've really learned I need to inventory that because it says, you know, we ask ourselves why we were angry because another person might not be angry about that stuff. They're probably more spiritually fit than me. So I need to get down to the causes and conditions of why. Why does that bother me? You know, and here it says, um, and Bill W does some great writing on this, our basic instincts, you know, sort of need to be somebody in our fellows, this need to procreate, this need to feel secure, um, you know, because some of that's threatened, you know, it affects me, it affects my thing. It might not bother other people, but it certainly bothers me. And, you know, if I don't um, get honest and... Um, you know, inventory this stuff thoroughly, um, then it will get me, you know, it stacks up and eventually I get so uncomfortable that food seems to be the answer. And also, as it says later on in the, in this little bit of writing, you know, if I let that stuff stack up, I'm not in touch with my higher power. It blocks me, completely blocks me off from, from having that spiritual connection. Um, and, you know, if I don't have that spiritual connection, then, you know, I'm stuffed, I'm on my own and I need that power greater than me. Um, so, yeah, lots in this paragraph. Really enjoying listening to the sharing, and um, I'll pass with that. Thank you. Thank you, Claire. I'm ready to take some more names and numbers. I mean, sorry, names and, and where you're from. But, again, um, in order to give everybody a chance <clears throat> excuse me, to share, 
And uh, we ask that you not share, we ask you to limit your sharing to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So I'm ready to take Robin my name. T. Robin, Robin T. Robin T. Robin, oh, Robin T. Gotcha. What page, please? Whoa, we're on page 64, the last paragraph. Resentment is the number one offender. Would anybody else like to share? Robin P. Ken W.H. Ken W.H. I could take them one or two more. Minette M. I'm sorry, who? Minette M. Minette M. Okay, anybody else? Who is that? Diane F. in New York. Diane S. D.N. D.N. Okay, gotcha. Thanks. Okay. So I have Robin P., Ken W.H., Nanette M., and D.N. S. Robin P., you're up. Good morning. Hello. Do you hear me? Yes, we hear you. Robin, we hear you. Hi there. No, we don't. Um, good. There you go. Thank you so much. Uh, my name is Robin T. Like Tom, I live in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And thank you for allowing me to share this morning. I'm uh, doing step four with my sponsor right now, um, who's helping me, uh, helping me, you know, guiding me through this. And one thing I've realized, um, this is my third time um, doing step four, the first time I didn't get through, um, I I remember I had to be right. I had to be perfect. And I was obsessing over the need to do it perfectly. And I also was going into the abyss of what they did to me, what what all these people on my list did to me. If I go to step three every time I pick up the pen and my sponsors had me make a commitment to my higher power, to a power other than me, then I have a buddy to do this with. And I don't have to obsess because this power is doing this step with me. And I can shut my brain off, I can make the list, and I can just go one, two, three. It doesn't have to be a great big deal. I, have to don't, I, I don't have to self-analyze. And I certainly won't be going back to the food, that's for sure. Because I have a buddy holding my hand if I have a hard time, and I can also call my sponsor. So... Anybody who's stuck, I want to encourage them to go back to step three before you pick your pen up. It's really helping me. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Robin. Ken W.H., you're up. And could you please tell us where you're from? This is Ken W.H. from North Carolina. Glad to be here, a recovered compulsive reader. 
Um, don't have much to add. Just that the sentence, um, we listed people, institutions, or principles with whom we were angry, uh, and we asked ourselves why we were angry. Um, and then it says, in most cases, it had something to do with me. In other words, I guess uh, what's clear to me is uh, that with whom I was angry, not who made me angry. Um, and I think that's an important uh, thing for me, to, a way to look at things. Uh, nobody can make me feel a particular way. I feel how I feel. And um, nobody can make me or, or um, actually create in me a particular feeling. Certain behaviors that people exhibit uh, allow me the opportunity to feel certain ways about them or the behavior. Again, that's my choice. It's it's me uh, that is doing the feeling. It may it has nothing to do with the other person. Ultimately, I mean, they're going to be who they are, and they're going to do what they do, and they say what they're going to say. And um, I can choose to feel any uh, any number of ways <laughs> about that. And some of those feelings just kind of come because I have a lot of history with a lot of people. And um, I remember a lot of feelings I had for a lot of people at one time or another. And sometimes just the thought of them is enough to uh, allow me to, to re-feel some of those things. But it's me that's doing the feeling. And that's what I have to address when it comes to resentments. Why? Uh, what, what's, what's going on inside of me? That's the big issue. What's going on inside with me? Something's out of whack and I need to address that, and I need to <clears throat> turn to a power greater than myself to help me see uh, where I'm out of line, what what it is, what's wrong with my, or what is not healthy in my thinking towards the, that other person or situation. So uh, just grateful to be here, and uh, uh, just have a great day, folk. I'll, I pass. Thank you, Ken. Nanette M., uh, yes, this is Nonat M., a recovered compulsive overeater in Oklahoma. I'm grateful to uh, be recovered and carrying on a line this morning. Um, yeah, I recently, um, I've been in full-step recovery for quite a while. I've been abstinent for going on almost two years. But I got a new teacher, um, a new sponsor last March, and I prayed for a new experience with this book and with recovery, and I've been around for about 20 years. Um, and it was pointed out to me, you know, it says from it, uh, the resentment and says stems, stems all forms of spiritual disease. And so my new sponsor, my new teacher in this big book pointed out it's the only time that it says I have a disease is here. Spiritual disease, and I have a spiritual disease because of my resentment. And so, and then, yeah, when the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. And then, yeah, in dealing with resentments, we set them on paper and people, institutions, and principles. And when I did my inventory um, with my new sponsor, I wanted to do it as um, I had like 97 people and institutions and principles. And I really, really did a thorough inventory and um, there was a big part of me that was just like, like, why do I have to do this? But I went and did like an inventory like I'd never done one before because I really wanted to have a new experience and um, even um, these things, I just, and what God showed me through my inventory, through my process was just 
how, you know, fear and anger and resentment was just totally unnecessary. And so I've, um, Emmett Fox is a huge influencer to the writing of our big book. And um, I recently read that resentment is uh, an attachment. So for me, when I think now about having resentment, I have an attachment and it's the insanity of, I have this resentment and I have literally attached myself to you or that institution or that principle and I'm angry but it's my attachment. I have formed it and I have to, you know, I have to become willing to, um, to break that, um, to end that attachment and to um, cast that resentment out and to deal with that. And so I love the process of getting this all done on paper and black and white and, and then just giving it away, having a listener who's just going to listen to all this and just the freedom that comes from that. But just associating the word resentment with attachment has helped me tremendously. So I just think about, I literally have this attachment. I've like totally hooked my resentment onto this person and I'm mad at them. And I'm the, I'm the one that has to take the hook out. And yes, God makes that possible. He has the power in, but I have to be willing. And if I'm not willing just to pray for the willingness and just to continue with the process and the process is God and God is love. And with all of that, I will um, pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nanette. Deanne S. from New York, you're up. Hi, this is Deanne S. from New York. Um, Oh, my gosh. Thank you to everyone this morning for these amazing educational um, experiences with this stuff. I mean, I am in this stuff currently. And being in this step, um, I I hate to even say again, because I don't want to discourage anyone. However, it is really important to know that like, recovery is a process. And today, listening to all these shares, I feel like I have really won the lottery. Um, because every experience is really, really helping me. Um, this is a completely different experience of this stuff than I have had before. And I cannot believe that there are people, places, and institutions and ideas on here that I would have told you that I don't think about that I had already resolved, people I had already made amends to in past step work. Um, but the, the being open-minded and open-hearted in this process is what is allowing me to see the truth. Um, and that is, you know, the gift that I have today is that I don't have to be afraid of anything that I'm writing down. Like it's fact finding and fact facing and that I don't do it alone. I have God to walk through it with me. So thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Deanne. We have time for one more share. If somebody would like to jump in. Natalie S. Okay, Natalie, go ahead. Thank you. And tell us yeah, where you're thanks. from, please. Sure. Um, this is Natalie S., and I'm from Arizona. 
And one of the things as I was listening to all the wonderful shares was um, as I went through this process myself uh, the first time, which is my only time so far, um, listening to resentments made me aware that I have resentment, resentment. And one of the beautiful things since I'm past my first uh, step four right now is that it helps me give voice to recognizing when resentments come back up inside of me. And so that was a gift that I didn't expect from going through this step is that I, not only did I realize that I, my part in the resentments, but it also helped me as resentments come up after step four, kind of understand the feelings that well inside of me and, um, and that they are actually a resentment where before I would close my mouth and beat myself up um, rather than dealing with it. And so that's really all I wanted to share was that that was an unexpected gift from going through this, just being able to to name um, that something is a resentment or that something is bothering me. And so um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Natalie. Uh, we have time for one more one-minute share. <laughs> Anybody else? Toby K. Okay, Toby. Tell us where you're from, please. And you've got two minutes. Uh, yeah, New York. Thank you. Um, right now in Florida. Thank you. Um, well, um I, I went to the um, aerobics pool. I went to the pool for aerobics, I mean. And, um, you know, I came late. And somebody said to me something about being late. Uh, you know, you're late anyway. And it was just a little bit of a mix-up on my part. But anyway, I had a resentment against this lady that she said I'm late because she knew I was late. I don't need to, it to be pointed out. And I was resentful. Uh, but then on the other hand, um, and, I, and it made me feel bad. But then on the other hand, um, I was eating um, in a restaurant uh, outside and people came over with ice cream. And I said, you know, this is a kosher establishment. You can't come over with ice cream. Um, this is a meat place and, and you're eating dairy. And she said, I wasn't eating dairy. Uh, it's not dairy. Um, so, um, I realized like this morning that the person who embarrassed me over my lateness, I embarrassed that person, uh, with the ice cream because if I wanted to tell her something that she was doing not appropriately, I, I should tell her in private, not just yell it out. Like I know something like I'm better than you. And I think that's what this lady said to me when she said I was late. I'm better than you. I come on time. And um, thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you. <clears throat> thank you, everyone, for a great meeting. Um, let's see. Thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for this morning's meeting, March Second at 7 a.m. meeting 
is 20,014. So it's 20014. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will Barb W. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, Barb W. Recovered in Illinois, gracefully. Our group, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.